Hi, it's Lisa. Welcome back to The Healing Path, a podcast created to connect our broken hearts as we journey into honest conversations about grief and loss in our daily lives. Following the deaths of two of my children, I struggled for many years to fill the holes in my heart. I felt like I tried everything, prayer, meditation, therapy, coaching, reading, journaling, waiting, you name it. Plus, I tried a few less productive approaches. And after two decades of continuing to grieve, it occurred to me that maybe I'd set the wrong goal. Instead of trying to feel better by filling those painful voids, I've learned that building a life around them is a much more worthy goal. A major part of this approach is talking openly about what my grief is like instead of keeping it to myself. With this newfound permission to let all the parts of me be here, I feel more human and less like a robot on autopilot. So I created the Healing Path podcast with the hope that sharing our stories in a mutually compassionate environment will help us to stop working so hard to hide our scars from ourselves and others and start wearing them proudly as the medals of love that they are. So thank you for joining this episode of The Healing Path. Today, I'm chatting about a post entitled The Comparison Game. This can be found uh, by searching in the blog at lisamcfarland.com in July of 2021. The Comparison Game. In three words, stop playing it. I'm aware of the toxicity that can result from comparing myself to others. I've heard, read, watched, and learned about the detrimental effects of playing the social comparison game with others. I haven't spent a lot of time on social media for this exact reason. In documentaries like The Social Dilemma, uh, available on Netflix, bring this dynamic to light. Comparison is the thief of joy, so says Theodore Roosevelt. This quote, too, captures the idea that when we look side to side and see how we measure up to others in a variety of ways, we create a no-win recipe for disaster. Books like The Progress Principle by Teresa Amabile and Stephen Kramer illustrate that focusing on our own progress is what brings us joy and fulfillment. Makes sense. I guess this could be considered the antidote to the social comparison game. Focus on our own progress and celebrate that in order to be fulfilled. But what happens when the progress principle and the comparison game get tangled up? For me, it looks like this. I know better than to compare myself to others, it steals joy, and to focus on my own unique idiosyncratic progress. But somehow I manage to compare myself to myself in the form of other versions of myself, be them past, remembered, or future imagined. This steals joy too. I think back to former parts of my life when I exuded elements of my highest self, be them fitness, remember when I used to run marathons, creative, remember when I started and ran that consulting business, or relational, remember when I was in love and I opine with criticism, why can't I be those things again? Or instead of going in reverse, I fantasize to future points in my life where I wish to exude elements of my highest self that are yet unattained. I aim to be a thought leader. I know I can be more efficient. 
I want to help others in pain. I imagine feeling enlightened, generous, and present all the time. And I delay the gratification that I want to feel by putting those elements in a future tense, which takes them out of the now. My point? Our minds and our egos are tricky, determined forces. Comparing ourselves to others can be painful and detrimental, particularly when we are looking to falsely created realities, images, and stories that others create in their own attempts to get ahead in the comparison game. But we need to be equally vigilant and on the lookout for playing this game against ourselves. Our former and future constructs of our egos will always tell us that we are not worthy, not enough, and that we are inept. The comparison game can be a joy killer, whether we play against ourselves or others. It's not sufficient to avoid keeping score relative to people around us. We have to avoid keeping score as ourselves against ourselves too. Imagining that we were our best selves or that someday we will earn best self status in the future is that same no-win recipe we want to avoid. For me, true fulfillment is rooted in, in the belief that the only chance I have to be my best self is this one. The moment I'm in is the only moment that actually exists. And since we're all changing every single second from our thoughts to our cellular material, it only seems fair to change the game from comparing to just being. I agree that focusing on our progress can still can instill feelings of fulfillment, but for me, I'm more drawn to the idea that avoiding comparison altogether provides me a more desirable and achievable moment-to-moment life experience than looking at the perceived progress of others or my past and future selves. So the comparison game, in three words, stop playing it. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Healing Path Podcast. This is a this is a really powerful concept um, early in some of my own kind of quests to learn about the differences between things like spiritual economics and joy versus fulfillment versus happiness. These are all um, really important concepts. They're not new. They're thousands of years old. So one of the early things that I learned is that this idea of comparing ourselves either to others or less suspectingly against ourself, like a different version of ourself, usually a younger, former, something better version, or something we're imagining we're still going to become. Um, We are still playing the comparison game, so we're still going to lose. And the idea with Teresa Amabile's work uh, in the progress principle really focuses on the fact that when we play against our now selves, that that is what will truly bring us fulfillment. And I can give an easy example of that. I took up yoga this year um, in an effort to get my mind and my body um, introduced and to know each other again. And one of the things that I noticed in yoga, and it's uh, it really reminded me of playing, you know, like golf or running, because 
you do the best that you can do and you're not competing with anyone and you're not competing against a former or future version of yourself either. You're in the moment, you've got, you know, whatever aches and pains you might have that day, you've got whatever swing you've got or whatever, you know, muscle magic you have to do certain poses. And that's it. You show up, you do your best and you stay present for the entire experience and then you move away. And when you stay in the moment in this way, you do at points realize, oh my gosh, I just, you know, drove drove that ball like a hummingbird. Or wow, I just held that pose and I didn't have to use, you know, a block or whatever it might be. So let's just be focused on what we're doing in this moment and bringing our best selves forth now because whatever used to be ain't no more and whatever's future is just a fantasy. So let's not, and we don't definitely don't want to look at others, just period. Um, Particularly, again, bringing this into our grief experience and where we are with um, integrating the the pain that we have from losing a loved one or losing a child uh, or many loved ones, that in these situations, we really just don't want to look left or right to see, well, how's this person doing? Well, how come they're doing it um, without a problem? And I've seen this, oh gosh, so much in marriages and then certainly in, in my own marriage, because we grieve so differently, there's this kind of imbalance, this inequity or um, a tipping of the scale some, somehow where the roles are very specific, but it usually happens that mom um, is, you know, in the death of a child, what I've seen most often is that mom um, is really suffering and that dad and whomever else may be in the home, whether it's, you know, surviving siblings or family members, um, it's easy for mom to compare herself and to say, well, my husband's doing so great, I don't get it. When really he might just be focused on work because, you know, taking care of his family feels fulfilling or it takes his um, mind off of things. Or, you know, if you have teenagers that are surviving siblings, you know, they're going through their own experience and they're maybe, you know, letting their friends know how they feel, but they want to protect their parents. So mom ends up feeling so isolated and says, you know, why can't I X, Y, Z, that person's doing so well, or why do I always, you know, why am I the only one who's sad? Or how come no one cries out of the blue like I do? I've made my point. We should not be looking around to compare our grief or our joy with anyone. Um, We have a road and a relationship with our best self. And the only time we can access that version of ourself is right now. So we want to show up now. We don't want to look to the future and the past. We certainly don't want to compare our grief, our yoga, our golf game, or our marathon running to anyone else. And with that in mind, until we meet again, let's just do our best to stay present, to stay grateful, and to stay healing, and just to really stay where we are. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in to The Healing Path.